Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Slider to Marathon winner is Ashley Tucker of DeSoto, Missouri. Ashley will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Margot Donahue. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today, celebrating their TV milestone, we're looking at SVU Season 21, Episode 3, Down Low in Hell's Kitchen. We're just trying to get to the truth. The truth is I was attacked! Brother, you saw me in the hospital. The cuts... The burn. Look, I'm telling y'all this happened. Why in the hell would I make something like that up? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and the Undisclosed Addendum Podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Kevin. I'd be lying if I didn't admit that, like, I'd rather be in a dance class than be here right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go play baseball instead. It's boring. <laughs> and rounding out our panel is our returning guest from the Book versus Movie Podcast. Margot Donahue. Hello, Margot. Hey, guys. Nice to be back. Hey, you were here for our State of the Unit address. We had some thoughts about how SVU could be better going forward, right? Yes. Now, we said uh, dump Peter Stone. They did. Make Carisi the ADA. They did. Kill off Noah. We're still waiting for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Noah. Yeah. Now, is it just us or has season 21 been better than a season 20 so far. I think so. I, I found this episode really enjoyable and very watchable. I mean, I still have my eye roll moments, but I thought it was actually pretty good. I like the <laughs> way things are gelling. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think this series, season has been very straight so far. What is this, the third episode, Kevin? Yeah. There hasn't been a single, like, hard right turn, what the hell is going on, like, wackadoo moment. And although part of me is grateful... Part of me also misses that a little bit, not going to lie. Well, we did have Booger from Revenge of the Nerds on this episode, yes. and he gave some of my favorite lines, so he, he saved it for me. A couple of times, he was a really wackadoo. Yes. <laughs> hey, Margo, of all the franchises, please remind us, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I loved Briscoe and Green because I'm basic, but I also super loved Lupo and Bernard the last season of Law & Order original flavor. 
And who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. It's got to be Abby Carmichael with whoever she's with. I mean, I'm just all about Angie Harmon. I, I told you before, I love her because she's so mean. And all she wanted was the death penalty. <laughs> and every time they took it off the table, and they always had to take it off the table at some point, her nostrils would flare with rage. She just, there's nobody like her. I just miss her so much. I completely agree. I miss those flaring nostrils paired with the pearl earrings. It was a classic all the time. She made a Grace who looked great. <laughs> right, right. We just had a guest appearance by her in our previous episode, which was SVU Season 1, Episode 1. And she still looked just kind of mean. That we <laughs> <laughs> but pretty. But pretty. All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 21, Episode 3, Down Low in Hell's Kitchen. Well, everyone wants an autograph from recording artist Mathis Brooks, but he's worked so hard, he tells his manager and brother, hey, I need some fresh air. Let me out of the limo in Hell's Kitchen. After being booted from a gay bar, Mathis is attacked, zapped with a taser, and sodomized with a bottle. He knocked me off my feet, and the guy, he bends me over the scaffold, pulled down my pants, and then, and, and... It's okay. Take your time. He started yelling all these horrible things at me. He's calling me the F-word and the N-word. Get a look at him before you would taste. I just got a glimpse of him. He was a big, scary-looking guy. The attack mirrors the M.O. of a serial predator targeting gay black men. But cops can't get any victims to report because they're on the down low. SVU learns ladies' man Mathis is himself in the closet. The new deputy chief, Christian Garland, wants victims to come forward and leans on Olivia and Finn to get Mathis to come out. They're surprised when the star does, inspiring previous victims to tell police what they know. Their suspect is a white guy, red hair, who hangs out in gay bars. So since Dick Wolf has run off every other detective in New York City, <laughs> they have to ask the chief to be the bait. <laughs> After chatting with a bar patron who fits the description and leaving the gay bar, the suspect puts his beer bottle in his back pocket and sets <laughs> off after Chief Garland. And just as he's about to attack Garland, all three of New York's detectives <laughs> arrest the predator. <laughs> <laughs> so there are dozens of people waiting on the sidewalk at midnight just in case Mathis Brooks should come out of this building. Right. But this celebrity who, quote, Gets more ass than a toilet. <laughs> seat. Seat. <laughs> so it's seat. Okay. Who gets more ass than a toilet seat? He goes into a gay bar and is surprised that someone would recognize him. Not just surprised, but irritated. Like <laughs> super irritated. Like, why are you there? You're literally For the there. music. I mean, didn't you go there to meet people? Wasn't that the plan? Now, this guy says he dated Ariana Grande, so of course the gays know who he is. <laughs> and Halsey. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it was, I was rather shocked that they actually used the names Halsey and Ariana. Uh, like, use the names of real women singers to basically say that he's just like plowing through them left and right. And that he didn't make up names of pop stars. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, because immediately I'm like, oh, I know yeah. those two. Why, why are they, are they yeah. just an ass to him? Like, you know, like it, it, that just like, I thought that was strange. Yeah, it was a little strange because uh, this is, show also has a very strange um, relationship with reality where mm -hmm. they like will make up a fake president, but then everybody go to like five guys or whatever or the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. You never know which way they're going to go with reality. 
Now, we know two things about Finn. He's an expert at street drug iconography. Yes. And if he needs to know gay things, he goes to his son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Finn Finn was super woke in this episode. You know, him correcting the LGBTQ (laughs) moments. But I will say, you know how we know this show has been on a long ass time? How? Finn's once teenage gay son is now Finn's old man gay son. <laughs> that dude is all grown up. And a father. Jaden was just talking about you. Yeah? You like that shirt I got him? He'll grow into it. <laughs> yeah, the actor who played Ken has been on since 2004. <laughs> really? 2004? He's been on for 16 years? Yeah, he comes on like once a year and collects his check and... Moves on. I love the scene where uh, Finn talks about getting his kid a, a present, and and he t- t- says very pointedly, "Yeah, he may fit into it someday." Like and Finn, just kind of like, "Yeah, I'm an asshole. I don't know what size he is." <laughs> no, I always thought that was good when I had kids. Everybody, you know, when they're six months, everybody buys six month stuff, and then at twelve months, you have nothing. So right, right. I think that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Finn does seem like extra proud of how far he's come, doesn't he? He seems like so cool being cool. Like, on the one hand, he like is is the first one to be like, "Oh, he's on the down low." And on the other hand, he's the one who's like Mr. Woke Detective of the Year. Like, he seems to really really be reveling in how cool he's come. Like, even when he's sitting in the bar with Carisi, like he doesn't make any of his old like 2005 quips like, you know, uh you know that I'm only doing this for the job. Like, he seems to really want to lean into his wokeness, and I appreciate that. He's growing. He's growing, finally. <laughs> now, when Ken tells him, These men, and I shouldn't even tell you this much, have wives, kids. What a low. Finn goes, <gasps> The down low. <laughs> it's like he said, El Chupacabra. <laughs> That's a very famous episode of SVU. Their down low episode. Yes. I think it's like from 10 or 15 yes. years ago. And oh my God, it's so dated now when you watch it. I watch it with my mouth wide open. Like they're saying these things out loud. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. They demonize the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's our first new cop in about five years. So what do you need? Manpower for a wider canvas, security cam checks. I would like to augment with detectives from hate crimes. They're spread thinner than SVU. And if they'd heard about this, they'd have looped me in. Deputy Chief Christian Garland. Yay! We're going to talk about the actor in Hey, It's That Guy. But here he goes. He's a young, tough, sexually ambiguous, black Ivy Leaguer who's now a cop. So many of those. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is going to be a recurring role of some kind. I do think Benson misses a Cragen-like foil to get pushback from and build a dramatic tension. Yeah, but she got like four seconds of pushback from him, and then he agreed to be like their actor in like a sting operation. Yeah. In, like four. I mean, don't you have paperwork? Don't you have <laughs> something else to do? Don't you have someone to discipline right now? <laughs> I, I like him. You, th- I mean, he looked like totally stiff when he was in that bar. And I was like, didn't you ever do this in the past when you were yeah. a young cop? Like, didn't you have to do this, these kinds of things? Like, is there any muscle memory there? But I mean, he sounds he sticks out like a sore thumb. But I like him as a character. I'm glad he's on the show because they've, they've needed to kind of put a more of a bouillabaisse of kind of people. And I think he adds to it. Now, we know he's replacing Dodds, who got demoted in episode one. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's now apparently a traffic cop on Staten Island. <laughs> R.I.P. Eyebrows. Yeah. And then they all say, eyebrows. And then they all, you know, they says, you know, when we mess up, we're all going to be traffic cops on Staten Island. I want to know, how many traffic cops are there on Staten Island? 
It's got to be chock full of them. Someone's got to patrol all the Camaros, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) All the bitching Camaros. I do love how he says the word Dodds. Like it's like some like the worst punishment. We're going to be doing traffic on Staten Island with Dodds. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's Peter Gallagher. It's not that bad. (laughs) Have you ever been to Staten Island? (laughs) It's going to be the Profaci of the. Oh, Profaci. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's fucking lame there i have friends that live there god bless them but no no thank you (laughs) now there are several references in this case that it should be kicked to hate crimes and this reminds us that law and order hate crime series has been held up it has yeah it's you know it got green lit and then a couple months later it got you know not canceled but kind of put on the shelf (gasps) they never cast anybody for it are they just like putting those scripts on this show now i think is that what they're doing because this could this script should have could have been on that show i think it would have been a good one i mean if it ever gets back on track it'll be a soft rollout within an svu episode like it'd be a crossover and they'll you know work together on a case and then i mean this would have been i think a really good one i totally agree with you it is because it is a total hate crime so why don't they have those people involved in it? And I, but I love the rip from the headline stuff that they do, and they tweak it just enough. And I think they're, for them, they're trying to get back at Rahm Emanuel for like having his meltdown about what happened in Chicago. You know what I mean? And he was a total dick about it. Like I think they're trying to show, like, no, you know, let's be a little bit more compassionate for what Mathis is going through. Yeah, I think they didn't bring anybody over from hate crimes because they have fewer detectives than they do in SVU. <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> I mean, even in the last episode, they were saying, yeah, man, you can bring us some more detectives. (laughs) It's just Rollins and I, for fuck's sake. And Olivia, who apparently also has no paperwork to do. Poor Olivia. Her day must be like 47 hours long. She's got to walk Noah to a stupid baseball practice. She's got to like do all the paperwork. Lucy is getting rich. The shift assignments and be a detective out on the streets. It's a lot of work. There's no rest for the Olivia. (laughs) All right, let's check out our Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. Okay, the actor playing Mathis' is agent, Mr. Fish. Margo, can you take that? Who's that actor? Curtis Armstrong. Yeah. You know the women he goes out with? Wait, one week Halsey, next week Ariana, the kid. Pardon my French, gets more ass than a toilet seat. I remember him as Mr. Viola from Moonlighting, but... As you said, you remember him as Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Okay, it's a very problematic movie, Revenge of the Nerds, for sure. But what holds up completely is Booger. Booger is freaking hilarious the whole time. (laughs) If you could just make a movie of just Booger, it'd be perfect. Now, Margo, for uh, Revenge of the Nerds, I want to know which was better, the book or the movie? (laughs) The book was way deep. (laughs) That whole whole rape scene. (laughs) All those scenes they had to cut. Yes, they explained it much better with the rape scene. And shit like that. Why they needed to do the panty raid was was really more in-depth. So we talked about Chief Garland. Who is that actor? Anybody know? She calls her boss, and he calls my boss, and the two of us are out doing traffic stops in Staten Island with Dodds. I don't. I That's don't. the Moray Barnes. Mm. Uh, right now, he's playing Mr. Ibis, the Undertaker on American Gods, mm. and the uh-huh. evil Wintergreen on DC Titans. Yeah, we don't watch those shows. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe you've seen him with his roles in 12 Monkeys, Waco, or Hemlock Grove. I've seen 12 Monkeys, but that movie came out like no, 20 no, years TV ago. Show. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea what you're oh talking God, about. Right. Sorry, we don't watch any of those <laughs> All shows. All going over my head. We don't watch any of those shows. 
though. He seems like a very fine actor, though. He really does. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I'd, I would like to see him in this as a, you know, a, a stronger role. How about our, our Hey, It's That Girl? Hey, it's that girl. Who has been playing Unit Chief Vanessa Hadid over at the ADA's office? Oh, that dick. The one who's always mean to Carisi? Yeah. <laughs> D'Angelo's already gotten a judge to drop the charges on the Mathis assault. I don't see a path to indictment on the other three. <laughs> I don't know who it is. I just know she's kind of a dick to Carisi. Yeah. That's Zuluka Robinson. She's probably best known from Lost. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was the cop who accompanied Sawyer on the flight. Yes. And okay, uh, yeah, she was around for three seasons. Until Hurley blew her up with a bag full of dynamite. That's right. Which is so Hurley. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how about that male nurse? I told him you guys were cool, that you'd respect his privacy. You will, right? Absolutely. Anyone recognize him? No, but he was quite the scenery chewer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cameo from Stephen Wilhelm. He played the male nurse Thor Lundgren in Nurse Jackie. Oh, oh, so he I mean, he probably didn't even need to go to wardrobe. He probably just brought this stuff (laughs) from Nurse Jackie, also playing a male nurse. It'd be like if Bull from Night Court appeared as a bailiff. (laughs) I just want to say, Kevin, saying male nurse is super sexist because you know what male nurses are called? They're called nurses, Kevin. They're called nurses. You know, there'd be no women doctors right? (laughs) if it weren't for male nurses. I think you mean lady doctors. Lady doctors. No, lady doctors is where you go and put your feet in the stirrups. Those are lady doctors. Doctorettes. Doctoritas. (laughs) Now, lastly, how about Mathis Brooks? I didn't recognize him. I know I should know him, but I don't. I don't know if uh, if I could be of much help. It all happened so fast. Okay, that's L. Stephen Taylor. Uh, Again, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but he was on the... 2006 reboot of PBS's The Electric Company. What? No. <laughs> no, you guys weren't. <laughs> I remember the original. Didn't but check no. out The Electric Company. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. <laughs> uh, he played Leo, who ran the electric diner. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I was an electric company kid. How about you guys? Kevin, I was 33 years old no, no, in 2006. No, 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 not in 2006. <laughs> the electric company. No, I mean, no, the when you were kids. The one with Morgan Freeman and Rita Moreno. And, of course, yes. Yeah. 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 Easy Reader was my favorite. Yeah, Easy Reader, J. Arthur Crank, Spider-Man? Yes, I yeah, remember all yeah. that. Uh, they didn't have Morgan Freeman in the reboot, but they did have Paul the Gorilla. Oh, okay. Well, do you remember the chef that would fall... Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> with all the, the chef pies. that would fall, it'd be like twelve cream pies. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that, was the, that was the dude from the Jeffersons, right? Oh, Wasn't that right. guy also on the Jeffersons? Oh yeah, <laughs> Early? <laughs> the snooty British neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Early. <laughs> and he had to step on his back. <laughs> yes, you're right. The Private Eye, Fargo North, mm. Decoder. <laughs> <laughs> you're really stretching it. <laughs> That's Paul. Hey, you know, judging by all the victims, new chief. You know what, chief? I'll take this the wrong way, but you're his type. I think you're his type. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? It means you could be straight, but we all know you're gay. Like, what does that mean? You're his type. Clean cut. Like, it was very hard to figure out exactly what they were going for. I don't know. What is (laughs) that? 
You seem like the kind of guy who'd be lying to your family and living a lie. Exactly. Living a double (laughs) life. Tortured inside. You seem like that guy. You know, they never say to Rollins, hey, that rapist is your type. Exactly. Or you're that rapist type. Exactly. Right, right. You're that rapist type and you're that rapist type. (laughs) It's true. They do never do that. Now, Finn and for some reason, Carisi are undercover in the gay bar together, which is hysterical. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, by the way, their shipper name is Farisi. Mm-hmm. And they're, first of all, they're admiring how good a homosexual the chief is playing. That's right. Because he can ball. <laughs> That's right. It says the chief can ball. That's what, the fifth guy in an hour? The chief can ball. <laughs> Look, is that an appropriate sports analogy to use in this case? <laughs> Man, the chief can swing a bat. And what is he exactly doing? He's just kind of standing there drinking a he's beer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's rebuffing very well, but very elegantly, but... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not that much talent. The, the chief has soft hands. The, tea, the chief is a tall drink of water. The chief knows how to take it to the hole. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is sad, though, that Carisi still wants to be a cop so badly, right? Like, he yeah. clearly like was like, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll go pick up that napkin and then get cross-examined <laughs> in my own trial. <laughs> Your Honor, I'd like to cross-examine the prosecutor about where this evidence came from. <laughs> way to the chain of custody, like, way to preserve it, Ice-T. <laughs> Wait, I got another sports analogy, right? The chief can bend it like Beckham. Oh, yeah. That's not a bad one. <laughs> not a bad one? Okay. No, that's pretty good. So to lure the possible suspect, Chief Garland gets up, he leaves the bar, and then he just keeps on walking. Like, nobody told him the guy was following him. <laughs> right? He could have just kept on walking to the Bronx and never known what was going on behind him. That's right. He didn't just, he just left, right? He yeah. Would, yeah, he, he wasn't, just like, leaving out. to, like... <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Do they have a plan? It's not like they don't know which scaffolding tunnel that the guy is well, going to attack people in. Right. Well, no, I mean, I think he knew that like, that was the next thing to do, but he had no idea. He didn't look back to see the guy putting the bottle in his back pocket. Right. He goes, I'm cute enough. This guy's coming for me one way or the other. He's got game. He can ball. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. What is going on with the budget of this show where... Well, first of all, I do appreciate that they're going back to real buildings to do like some of those courtroom and outside courtroom scenes. Yeah. The fake mm-hmm. sets they had for a few years were real bad. They're really bad with like the clearly painted fake marble pillars and stuff. Right. Um, but they in this episode reference a whole bunch of other people like uh, other, you know, uniform cops that they're like sending to bars and stuff. Like, they're always talking about other people off screen, but, like, clearly can't afford to pay those other people, like, the hundred bucks or whatever it would be to show up for one day but to like, be in the background of a shot. They're like, if you want this to get to season 22, we got to cut some corners here. <laughs> it feels that way. It really does. I forgot to mention last week when we were doing season one and we had that courtroom scene, for the first season of SVU, they didn't have their own courtroom set, so they used the Law and Order right. courtroom set. Mm-hmm. But they were always using it, so they can only use it on Saturday. <laughs> really? For wow! Real. They're like on Saturday, you can come and shoot your fucking thing, but it's ours <laughs> Sunday through Friday or whatever. Wow! Because we know that Sam Waterston's very particular about you know his courtroom. Well, he can ball. He can ball. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? 
Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Mathis Brooks is enjoying the public adoration as a hate crime victim, but he doesn't do so well when detectives inform him that they captured his attacker. Number, number three? Are you saying that it's number three? Emma? Actually, oh, it was number six. Oh, wait, was it was it three? What is this, counselor? Phone a friend? Just saying what everyone's thinking. Yeah, hold, hold up, hold up. You know what? I, I know what was wrong. I turned and then I got a glimpse. Okay. So I was like this. <laughs> number two. No. Well, they like Jeff Moran for the string of attacks. He has an alibi for Mathis's attack. That's when video surfaces of Mathis's brother buying a taser right before the assault. Mr. Fish says TMZ was about to out Mathis, so to get ahead of it, they staged the attack, hoping to get some public sympathy. Now this case is a fucking shit show, and Carisi's boss, ADA Pissy Pants, says the defendant <laughs> is going to walk. Now that's when a previous victim returns with new information. A month before Moran attacked him in the street, they met at the same gay bar and Moran gave him a bathroom BJ. Carisi confronts the suspect and offers a bargain. Take a plea and go to jail as a straight guy, or take a chance at trial and go to jail as a known homosexual. <gasps> and remember in jail, it's BYOB. <laughs> Jesus. It's oh, back to the download episode, like from from ten years ago. It, it just felt like that very threatening thing. Like they're gonna know you're gay. <laughs> so you might as well yep. take the deal. Nothing like the rape cops threatening uh, rape in jail. Olivia talks Garland out of charging Mathis with false reporting, and Finn urges the singer to address whatever demon in his past made him fake the crime. Also, Noah takes ballet. <laughs> 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 the most important part of the whole episode. <laughs> See what happens when his strong role model and Peter leaves the show. <laughs> We're back in a ballet class. They bring in Mathis for a lineup and mm. it doesn't go well. Clearly Mathis is not one of these musicians that's decided to also be an actor because he absolutely cannot pretend for a second that he's not faking this lineup situation. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Number two, three? <laughs> Maybe? Well, it is like, Let me turn around real quick. Maybe, maybe look around the room really fast. And what's fast. up with Rollins? Like, ostensibly in the car on the way to the station. Listen, on the drive over here, he kept asking what number the perp was going to be. Yeah. Rollins only discloses that after the lineup? Like, mm-hmm. that's a problem, Rollins. Like, that's something that you maybe should have, like, said beforehand and not let him do it. Not cool, Rollins. Not uh, cool. No, I think he wanted to see what was going to happen. 
Oh, you're giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm I'm defending Rollins <laughs> on this one. All right. As long as she came forward. Now, after Fish gives it up that the attack was a hoax, he says, Crazy thing is, if you hadn't found the actual guy, this would have worked. And it would have worked, too, if it weren't for you meddling sex crime detectives. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He says it would have worked if you didn't catch the guy. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be good at your job. Yes, yes. Our plan was to fake an attack. Exactly. Our plan was to fake an attack and then have the real rapist continue to go free forever and ever so that we could fake an attack again later if needed. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Perfect. By the way, if this was a hoax, how come everyone in that limousine in the beginning was like, oh, you sure you want to go? What are you up to? Like, who are they acting for? The driver? They're all in on it. <laughs> That's a very good. Was the driver in on it? Was he? I, I think you know. I mean, I think the conversation I would have had was, "Hey, you know, when you get the bottle, make sure it's not a red stripe. Can you make it? <laughs> how about one of those uh, Mick Ultra or whatever yeah, the thin exactly, ones are? You know, exactly. Oy. Oh right. my god, that's an excellent point, Kevin. It's really yeah. good. Let's talk about Carisi's boss, Vanessa Hadid. Uh, she is tough. Writes Carisi. And never seems to have the victims in mind. If your other victims have been willing to testify in the first place, we wouldn't be here. Okay, Miss Hadid, you're new to SVU. We don't blame victims here. Human sexuality and criminal behavior are a hell of a lot different than securities fraud. Thank you, Captain. What I do know, the longer this stays in the news cycle, the longer we're standing here with our junk in our hands. Excuse me? Uh, Is she shady? I don't know if she's shady or not. Well, think back to episode one, and Margo, I mean, weigh in on this, because we did see her, like, having a secret meeting with the rapist, you know, on that videotape, and we aren't, like, really liking her. I'm wondering, you know, where this character's going. I I was wondering about that, too, because, like, like you said, she completely lacks empathy for the people she's supposed to be fighting for, right? It doesn't seem, it's like, it's all just for her chess game and just, like, winning, and and just being a dick about it, quite frankly, I don't know. I don't. I'm not quite sure what they're doing with her. What was the? What's the point of her? I'd, I'm actually interested to see what they do with her character. But in in this episode, I found her really annoying. I think it would be tough to move into a brand new division of your practice, right? To like move from one like DA division to the SVU division. And then to be having to work with Olivia Benson, who in every conversation reminds you that she knows a million times more than you about your own job. Mm-hmm. And also to have as your like immediate report, Sonny Carisi, who went to like Knight Law School <laughs> like 10 million years ago. He went with Lupo. <laughs> and then have this be his like very, yeah, like his very first law job. Like I can understand why she might be irritated when she walks in the office every day, given those circumstances. But I do think she's a little bit of a dick to Carisi. And I do worry about that foreshadowing we saw in episode one. What does she have going on on the side? I do want to see folks from the law firm of uh, Carisi and Lupo. I think that would be <laughs> that would be really good. Yeah, I would watch the shit out of that show. Let me just tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I do want to see Carisi like actually, you know, arguing a trial. I think that can't be really wait. Great. Yes. I can't, can't be great. wait. And as if this show isn't gay enough, uh, Noah is taking ballet lessons. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Okay. The, the, the pro- okay, that was really problematic, right? Yeah. It really was. Because clearly, middle America or whatever is going to be like, oh, that signals that he might be gay. And it's yeah. like, 
No, A, it doesn't because people of who are straight or gay or anything at all can be interested and take ballet. Yeah, but also he wouldn't go to bed and everybody thought he was a serial killer. It's a ridiculous <laughs> stereotype. It's ridiculous. Also, the real problem with that scene is I very clearly saw Noah point through a window and say, that looks fun. And he was looking at a hip hop class. Yeah. Thank you. Not a ballet yes. class. He's like, this is the right <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... Like, you're going to take him out of baseball, which he's decided is boring, which, by the way, good on you, Noah, because it fucking <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. And he's pointing to the super fun hip hop window. And then she's taking him to like Plieville. Like, what are you doing? You were not paying attention to your kid. Also, he knew exactly what he was doing as soon as he got there. He, you know, first you know, feet position one, two, three. He knew exactly what he was doing. So I don't know. Maybe he's been doing it on the side. And she didn't know. Look, the actor is named Ryan Buggle. And yes. on his Twitter... He has yes. a video of himself and other dancers dancing to the Law and Order theme. He does a backflip. Nice. Yeah. He does. I mean, he's legit. So this is our way to like bring his talent into the show. I think so. He's on a show on Broadway right now, and I'm I'm blanking on the name of it. But I followed his Twitter feed oh. too, and he also he's selling shirts that there's three different styles, and that if you buy it, like a portion goes to a nonprofit that helps kids take dance classes in New York. He's actually a really exceptional kid. So wow. I, I support this. That's and great. Well, we all know that the actress who plays Lucy is also a Broadway actress. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's what I mean. They have been rehearsing apparently 18 hours a day while Olivia's been out catching yeah. bad guys. That's what they've been doing. <laughs> it's also a way of getting back at Good Morning America. <laughs> you know, Laura Spencer with her whole, I, you know, making fun of kids, uh, Prince George taking ballet lessons. I think it was sort of a reaction to right. that. Totally. Yeah, right. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, but I have a question. I'm looking at this kid's Twitter account right now. Oh, he's a kid. Why the hell does he have a Twitter account? Because <laughs> he's getting paid more than three of us. <laughs> I think he's always left alone, even in real life. The poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy helps him run it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, though, I, I'll tell you guys, maybe I'm a total sap. I loved seeing that little kid in that ballet class. I thought it was very sweet. I, I really I thought it was a nice way to end the episode. I don't know. I give Olivia a hard time. I, I thought this was like a win for her. You know, she did something right by the kids. So yeah, no, I thought it was a nice way to end the episode as well. I just wish it hadn't been an episode about download gay men that they right. did this. I mean, it's one thing for Olivia to you know have a kid who like is not interested in just baseball, like not be boring, like that's awesome. But the fact that they did it in this episode. That was like so clearly about like people concealing who they really are. Like, and Olivia has now learned because she's had one day working on crime against gay men. Now she's now learned that you need to accept whatever your son wants to take for a dance class. It's bullshit. Like the timing of it is bullshit. It's fine mm -hmm. that they did it. It was very sweet to see him dancing. But yeah, I'm just like... Like, she lives in New York for fuck's sake. So we're supposed <laughs> to believe that she's like only accepting now... That like no, I mean, I mean, I think the story arc was going to have to come in some episode. And it just, mm. I don't know which episode it would look, you know, good up against. I thought it made sense. You know the, the you know, which rape story. <laughs> you guys are very forgiving. I would have liked to see like, you know, how like Munch used to babysit Noah when he was little. Yeah, yeah. I'd love it if like Finn were now like the squad babysitter for Noah, and then like. 
Finn spends a day with Noah, comes back to the squad, you know, with big pizza box or whatever. And Livy's like, what did you do today with your new male role model, Noah? Because remember how she said that bullshit thing to Peter? Uh, And Finn is like, oh, you wanted to do ballet. So I took him to a ballet class. And then just like cut next scene. Like that would be that. (laughs) Like That would have been more fun to me. Yeah, he might want to dance, but I think he should hang out with Finn, learn to rap. You do that hip hop with him. The hip hop dancing. Hey, you know what's not clear to me is that no one was reporting these serial assaults. They weren't in the news. So how does Mathis know about the attacks and what happens? Exactly. That's did, an excellent point. Did I miss point. that? Margo, <laughs> did you pick up on that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a whole other social network for the download guys. And so they kind of maybe send uh, out a bat signal like, okay, be careful. Here in Hell's Kitchen, there's all kinds of murders happening, which is, by the way, one of the most expensive parts of New York you right mean now. Instagram? <laughs> yeah, there's the, Insta, I don't know. It's something, something's on there where they have that. Yeah. You're right, because that doesn't make any sense. If the, if, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. How the hell would he know? Well, Finn's son knew about it, right? right? No, he's on Finsta, that's why. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, no, but he knew about it from all of the guys. Right, who- right. Well, I mean, I think if you're part of it, they were saying like, if you were part of the community, you know, there was word of mouth that people knew about it. But Mathis is like, as someone said, is so, so deep, deep in the closet, he went past Narnia. Uh, <laughs> that's, I love that joke. So, I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, how does this crew know about, I mean, it's, it's this crew is, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, seems like a plot hole. Well, there's another plot hole that's adjacent to it, which is that Finn's son is a counselor, what, like an L, at an LGBTQ crisis center, right? right? Yeah. So all of these men who don't tell anybody in their lives that they're gay, right? Uh-huh. Are going to see Finn's son at the LGBTQ crisis center? Like that's it. That's the other thing that they do on Tuesday nights when they're out pretending to be out with the choir guys for a drink after choir practice. Like, how would Finn's son have heard about it? You know, if there isn't some sort of network. I mean, how does Finn know about the iconography of South American <laughs> cocaine packets when he's been in sex crimes for twenty years? He stays on top of it. He stays on top of it. He he works for the son works for a nonprofit, correct? I mean, that, yeah. I'm getting the idea that, that it's, it's a crisis center. It is the nicest crisis center I've ever seen in my life. It's like so fancy. Yeah. I'd hang out there too. It's like real furniture. Yeah, all their pamphlets are new. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, zapping you with a taser and sticking a bottle up your ass does sound like something a brother would do to you. It's pretty extreme. Well, no, but I mean, he really like call you scrot. And then do it. You know, I just would. I you're teenagers. I could just see it happening. I don't think that is a thing that brothers do, Kevin. Clearly, you've never had a brother before. Um, I've had no, cousins. But it does seem like they did go pretty far in perpetrating this uh, fraud. And one could argue to the bottleneck that <laughs> he's actually a victim, even though he did it to himself, because it seemed pretty freaking awful. Yeah, but I just think like there's a lot of brothers out there that would really, you know, they would just like push the other brother down and do like that dangling loogie thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they would love to get a oh, taser. I will so taser you. You don't have to pay me. Just, just tell me where you want it. And then oh, the bottle. Oh, dude. The bottle actually really got to me. I can put this on my company credit card. <laughs> exactly. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. 
Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. What could it be? (laughs) You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode was inspired by the hate crime claim of actor Jussie Smollett. In January, the actor said he was attacked by two men in ski masks in the early morning near his Chicago apartment. Smollett said the assailants beat him up, taunted him with racial and homophobic slurs, poured bleach on him and tried to lynch him with a rope. He told police he had recently received threatening letters because of his criticism of President Trump. News of the alleged hate crime was met with much fury from celebrities and politicians. Investigators determined the racist attackers were actually a pair of brothers from Nigeria who worked as extras on Smollett's TV show Empire. Police said Smollett paid the brothers $3,500 to stage the assault. They said the actor set the hoax in motion because he thought the sympathy he'd receive would get him more money on the TV show. A grand jury indicted Smollett with filing a false police report, but prosecutors unexpectedly dropped the charges. He was kicked off the cast of Empire, and Chicago's mayor demanded he pay back the $100,000 the city spent investigating the fake crime. All right, now every late-night comedian has weighed in, and I'm sure I'm stealing someone else's observation, but here we go. Uh, His story was he was out getting a sandwich from Subway, Mm. and after this brutal attack, he keeps the sandwich and brings it back with him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking, that must have been one good-looking sandwich. <laughs> have you ever eaten at Subway? I call bullshit there. <laughs> but I said, he's making it in front of him, and he's thinking like, man, it's too bad I'm never going to get to eat this BMT. Exactly, exactly. Are you thinking that he, I, I always was thinking about when he called the cops, and the cops came, and he was like, see here, I went to Subway, here's the sandwich I bought before I was attacked. And then he was just like, I just want them to go so I can eat the sandwich. Like, like when can I actually eat right. the sandwich? So hungry. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this in Chicago, but this was in the middle of the polar vo- vortex. Yeah. Man, nobody is that racist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do think people are that racist. <laughs> However, <laughs> it was a good opportunity for the fake attackers to wear those giant like parkas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I just, I really don't think Klansmen... at some point they're like man i just i know i want to commit a hate crime but can't we do it like on another night (laughs) (laughs) or another part of the country that isn't freezing for like six months out of the year can we go back to alabama and try it there (laughs) yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah birmingham can we just yeah if you told me what happened there i would i i mean maybe my little pea brain that's how I, i think about it but for me i was always like he's in chicago when this is happening like i i just i i don't know I, I was always a little bit skeptical of the story. There was a lot to be skeptical about in the story. Yeah. I remember being skeptical about the fact that he claimed that they put a rope around his neck. And when the cops arrived, he still had the rope around his neck. <laughs> like I listen, he wanted to show everything. He wanted to bring all the receipts. Yes. Listen, I'm not saying that there is a way to behave when you're the victim of a crime. We all know that there is no right way to behave. Right. Of a real crime. But yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the detail that always cut. Like he was like, look. See, <laughs> as if they wouldn't have believed him if he say he had run home and then taken off the rope, he could have just pointed to the rope on the table and said that rope 
was, you know, was the one they attacked me with. But instead, like the detail where he had to still be wearing it and being like, see, it was on my neck. See, that always struck me a little bit off. Uh, Two guys from Nigeria buying MAGA hats. No one's going to remember that. (laughs) The story. It's like, oh, yeah, makes sense. (laughs) That's Target Demo. Target demo right there. Do you guys watch 90 Day Fiance? No. Tell me about it. Tell me more. Because there's a woman in Georgia who's in Nigeria. That's her boyfriend, Michael. She calls him Michael. And he loves Donald Trump. And he's this black guy in Africa. And she gives him MAGA gear every time she visits him. And he walks around the village wearing the MAGA hat. So I kind of could see... <laughs> it's it's as odd as I am describing and just as compelling as you think. It's fascinating to me. He loves Donald uh-huh. Trump. So yeah. I could picture it. But yeah, it stands out. How are we all not watching this show like oh, right now fantastic. instead of watching stupid episodes of SVU? <laughs> Only so many hours in a day, Rebecca. <laughs> now the lead actor of Empire, Terrence Howard, has stood by Jesse. He continues to believe the attack was real. And last week the actor said that he was the heart of the show. And he wants him to come back. Listen, everyone knows that Terrence Howard is a well-known jackhole. Am I wrong? He's a lunatic. Well, he is kind of crazy. He is currently in a war with the world's mathematicians because he believes one times one equals two. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. He actually does. Did you see the red carpet interview that he gave? No. There's a red carpet interview he did, I think, at the Emmys. It was like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you got to look it up, you guys. Karen's, he gives an interview with E and then also with Extra, I think it is. But he's just, he's out of his damn mind. He's hes just, and they don't even know what to do. They just yeah. let him babble. Here's my favorite Wikipedia thing about Terrence Howard. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm. Though he did not complete his engineering degree, Howard thinks of himself as an engineer and <laughs> intends to return one day to complete the, quote, three credits of which he is currently short on Wikipedia... They put the three credits in quotes. <laughs> but also, Terrence Howard has been arrested several times for domestic violence. Oh. Like, yeah. He's a problematic dude, and he is not the champion you want when you no, are in trouble he- telling the world right. that they should be on your side. Well, if he thinks one times one is two, I do not want to travel over the bridge he designs. <laughs> no. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Margo Donahue. Margo, where can our listeners follow you online? The best place to follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Brooklyn Fitchick, and my blog is brooklynfitchick.com, and all the shows that I work on, I post there. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod, or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. It is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. 
With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.